You know, I've been uh, with the pastor since before he started as a pastor. I was here for the first service. I was here when he was ordained. I've preached here. I've taught Bible study here. I've done book signings here. And now every time I come here though, when he introduces me, he say less and less. <laughs> Ain't no he from, he is, he was, he will, he went to. Today we got Pastor Harris. Ain't even Pastor Lionel Harris no more. Pastor Harris here, here he is. So I go with it. I, I, I actually promised that I wasn't going to say anything about City and Polly today. However, I mentioned that on the way out the office, and this nice young lady here kindly stopped me to let me know that her daughter went to Polly and played volleyball. However, I know that I got people in the house. City forever. See that mask? Just figured I'd throw that in. Don't mess with us. All right, now, how you like me now? 12 years. That's a long time. That's a long time. Some people here are not even 12 years old. <laughs> Some people here can't remember when they were 12 years old. <laughs> it's the 12th anniversary of the pastor and the Upper Room Worship Center. But the journey didn't start for you 12 years ago. It started when you were born because God outlines a plan for us in our lives just like we plan our day, we plan our week, we plan our month. Sometimes we may have hiccups, things may happen, may throw us off, but we go back to the plan. We get up, we brush ourselves off, we go back to the plan. Well, God has a plan for your life too. He doesn't get hiccups. He doesn't fall down. He doesn't go through what you go through. He doesn't go through the obstacles that you may go through along the way. He continues his plan even when you mess up. Matter of fact, sometimes you might do the right thing, but he'll still stick to his plan. He'll work it out for his good. He even told Israel in the book of Jeremiah, he said, I will lead you into captivity. You're going to be in there for 70 years, but I want you to build houses, plant gardens, act like everything is okay, have children, let your children's children have children. Even in captivity, he said, because it's all good. Because I know what's going on. He said, don't listen to the prophets when they tell you you're coming out. Cause you ain't coming out till I say so. 
He said, don't even listen to yourself when you're focusing on your dreams, telling yourself we'll be coming out soon because it's not happening. He has a plan. That's when he told him, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. So here, he led you to an expected end. You can make choices. We all have free will. But in the fullness of time, that's not in Jesus' fullness of time. That's in your fullness of time. He's going to put you back where he wants you to be. In this case, it's the Upper Room Worship Center. In this building, with this pastor, with these people, amen? Amen. amen. Congratulations on 12 years. To God be the glory. There are several types of churches among us today. Some people may say they are too many, but I say as long as you're fulfilling God's mission for your life, go for it. You may or not know that I pastor what is considered a missional church. As a missional church, that just means that we do mission work. We are mission-minded. We gave up our building, and we go out. We go out to nursing homes when we could. We went out to nursing homes, assisted living houses, recovery programs, rehabilitation centers. Haven't done that since March. So we're doing other things in the community. But that's our focus. Our mission is making disciples and serving the community. Others may be evangelistic in scope. Some may focus on salvation, while others may simply focus on making you shout. In preaching today, I want to combine part of your mission, exist to teach and make disciples of Christ, your vision statement, teach believers how to mature spiritually, which is discipleship, what I know personally about your pastor, what I know about you, and obviously from the Bible. It is such a pleasure to see Sister Mintz. I pray that you be here today, and you up front and personal. I like that. You know, I'm going to stop for a minute. It's, it's good to be here. It's always good to be here. It's good to be in a church. I say this every time I come. It's good to be in a church where people are willing to learn. You just don't have that everywhere. So, if you will, turn with me to 2 Timothy. And it should be actually, Tony, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. So 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 3. Are you there? If you are, say okay, amen. If you're not, say hold up. I can't say I hear a lot of Bible pages turning, but I can, I can see flickering through the phones and stuff, and the tablets and all that good stuff. Let's read. I'm going to be coming from the King James. Second Timothy, 
chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I know this particular verse sounds, well, sounds familiar probably to a lot of you, to your pastor, I'm sure it does. Matter of fact, to um, Larry Sr., it does, because of Operation Timothy. That, and Seth is here. I don't know, you, did you take Operation Timothy too? Master Life, I know you went through Master Life. Okay, but Operation Timothy was a male program, a men's program, discipleship program for men. Um, before your pastor stopped speaking to me, I actually used to teach him <laughs> and lead him through Operation Timothy. Yeah, you know. When you're in the program, you call your teacher and all Paul. I was never really his immediate teacher, so he was glad he didn't have to call me Paul. So he called me Frank. I told you I come here now, he doesn't call me anything. So. But you know, realistically, though, it's, it's, it was such a good program. It was really, really, really a very good and rewarding program. It led to the church. You all right? Oh. Thought you was pumping up. I started to say something about Master Life, but I know I said Operation Timothy. I started to say, and it led to Master Life. She was flexing. I, I'm like, maybe I better hurry up and say something about Master Life. All right, I know that. I know him. He's not a friend, but we're close. Yeah, but Operation Timothy was a discipleship program. It was it was set up for the men. And it uses words in there like my son and faithful men, all of that. However, we're going to break that down today if that's okay. All right, my title, The Pattern of a Discipleship Church. The Pattern of a Discipleship Church. The main idea of the passage, remaining strong while keeping the plan. The main idea of my sermon, the pastor, the people, the propellant, and the plan. The pastor, the people, the propellant, and the plan. And we have background. First, let's talk about Paul. Paul is speaking. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. It says that he is referenced in Ephesians 4.11, meaning that he is a pastor, a preacher, an evangelist, and a teacher. He is called the preacher and teacher in Acts in 1 Timothy. He is said to feed and shepherd the flock. He loves God and he loves the Lord. In Acts 28.23, he is said to expound on the scripture that makes him an expositor. And here in 2 Timothy, he is in prison and he is writing to Timothy, someone he has brought up in the faith. He has told Timothy in 1 Timothy, the book of 1 Timothy, not to be ashamed of him because he is in prison, but to carry on the work of the Lord. So Paul, the pastor, the teacher, the expositor starts verse one with, 
Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In this verse, we get three of the main ideas to the sermon. One, first of all, is the pastor, Paul. The second is the people. Now, of course, I know you might say, wait a minute, I don't see anything in there about people. But Paul is speaking to Timothy, and he calls him his son. The word son used here in this particular scripture can not only refer to a male child, but to pupils or disciples. Catch the word disciples. Who are called children of their teachers because the teachers, by their instruction, nourish the minds of their pupils and mold their characters. Son, the people. Follow me. I'm going somewhere. Now, the third idea, because we have pastor, we have the people. The third idea in the sermon is the propellant. As a noun, the word propellant is substance that propels something. As a verb, it means to drive, push, or cause to move in a particular direction, typically forward, to set in motion, to give moving, to get moving, to fly, to let fly, to launch, to send, to spur or drive into a particular situation. In our text, we find Paul telling Timothy that he needs a propellant to help carry out his plan, and grace in Jesus Christ is that propellant. And because this grace is specifically, as I said, found in Jesus Christ, it will not only get you moving, but it will keep you going. Are you with me? Thou therefore, my son, he says, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Now the plan. Second Timothy 2. Commit and trust, share the things you have heard concerning Christ coming from me to others. Wait, who are these others? More people. Where did that come from? The scripture here says, teach faithful men. And again, when we were in Operation Timothy, I always thought that the son had to be a male and I always thought that the men had to be men. However, your pastor, a man I recognize as a student of Greek, uh, matter of fact, when he was in school, he practiced his words always on me, probably a whole bunch of y'all as well, walking around with his little index cards. What does this mean? What does this mean? <laughs> what is it I have? <laughs> I'm like, I have no idea, but aren't you supposed to be working? <laughs> All right. But he will tell you that, that, that the word men can and does in this particular text means anthropos. Anthropos, the definition is a human being, whether male or female, and can be generically to include all individuals. So when we went through the training or the, the discipleship class for Operation Timothy, where it says teach faithful men, it wasn't just men. So realistically, that could have been open to everybody. It was a good program, though. So I'm glad we had it. But that takes us back to people. So now here we have the people. We have the pastor, the people, the propellant. 
Now the plan I'm giving you. The plan. It's a multiplication process. The pastor teaches the people. The people teach faithful people who will teach others also. I'm looking at some nice big thick Bible you have there. You know, I actually look forward to seeing all of you when I come here. It's hard to call out a name when I know so many names and faces. And All right. Anyway, I'm not done yet. When you look at the word teach as used here, you'll find it means more than just to teach. The Greek word is didasko. In short, it means one person pouring themselves into another person to make them who you are. That's discipleship. In Matthew 28, Jesus says, go make disciples, teaching them to pour yourselves into them to make them like me. Discipleship. Paul tells Timothy that a woman can't teach the dasco, a male how to be a male. It's because a female can't pour who she is into a male to make him a male. It just ain't happening. Oftentimes, even in society, we find, especially if a woman is raising a son by herself, she will put in a phone call, text, email, whatever, tell that man, that father, come get your son because I can't do anything else with him. Anybody else know about that? A woman cannot teach a man how to be a man. The Dasco. We find that Paul teaches Timothy. First of all, let me mention this. A disciple is a faithful follower of a teacher, a disciplined learner. A faithful follower of a teacher, a disciplined learner. We find that Paul teaches Timothy to the point that he tells him that that which you see me do, you do. It sticks so much that even when the Corinthian church was acting up, Paul sends Timothy out to straighten them out, but yet tells the people to follow him, being Paul. Let's check that out. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. First Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going to look at verse 15. Start at 15. Are you there? Is this all right? The pattern of a discipleship church. 15. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. So Paul actually said, follow me. But then he turns around and says, for this cause I have sent unto you Timothy. So now he's specifically telling the people to follow me. Like he gonna be the one there, but he sends Timothy. So who do the people see? Timothy. So that we learn through discipleship that discipleship is not just following, but it is a follow through. Because if they saw Timothy, Timothy says, well, wait a minute. It's okay to look at me, it's okay to follow me, but you have to follow through me to get to Paul. 
Paul said that's good and dandy, but it's a follow through. You can follow me, but you can't stop there. You have to follow through me to get to Jesus. But then even Jesus himself says, follow me and learn of me. But you have to follow through me to get to God because ultimately it's his face we seek. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Isn't that in there? Discipleship. Discipleship is a process. It's one thing to make disciples, but it's a whole different thing to continue discipleship. I remember being a part of discipleship again um, at another church. The program lasted for two years. We studied hard. It was power packed. But whenever the next time came around to have more classes, you always had to search for teachers. And I know the same thing was held true with Master Life. You almost had to beg people to come and teach. So you have disciples, so it's good to make disciples because that's what we're supposed to do. But Jesus wants discipleship. It's a process. It's a cycle. It's one person teaching another person so that person can teach another person to teach another person. Each one teach one to teach one. Discipleship. We always struggle with that. You should never have to, once you're learning and getting what you're supposed to get. Matter of fact, even in the Matthew passage, Paul said in Matthew 28, uh, Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations. But then he said, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. The word observe there doesn't mean to see or look. It means to guide or protect. So he's saying, protect those things that I have given unto you, because those are the things that you're going to give to other people. Discipleship. Let's bring all this together. Paul tells Timothy, his child, to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Follow what he did in teaching others that can teach others. Watch this. Larry Thompson Jr. Matter of fact, come up here. Don't get too close to me, pandemic. <laughs> Larry Thompson Jr., the pastor and the expositor, the one who expounds, explains, and exposes, because that's what an expositor is, exposes the word here at the Upper Room Worship Center, teaches the people. Everybody stand up. I only did that to wake y'all up. <laughs> but Larry Thompson Jr., the pastor, the expositor, the teacher, the preacher, here at the Upper Room Worship Center, teaches the people, which are you, those eager to learn, you're the congregation here at the Upper Room Worship Center, to follow the plan. But first of all, all of you are fueled with the propellant, which is the grace 
in Jesus Christ. And remember now, he doesn't have to give us his grace, his unmerited favor. But we use his grace to propel us, to push us, to shove us, to lead us into the places that we need to go. When we pray, we pray for his grace. We pray for his mercy. But it's grace in Jesus Christ. We're all fueled with the propellant. And it fulfills us to follow the plan, which is to teach faithful people. Those are people here, but then also people outside of here that will get prepared to teach other people also. You can go ahead. So what happens is, and you can take your seat. So basically what's going on, even as I say it again, you have Larry Thompson Jr., the pastor and the expositor, the one who expounds, explains, and exposes the word here at the Upper, work, upper Room Worship Center, teaches the people, those that are eager to learn, and are fueled with the propellant grace in Jesus Christ to follow a plan, which is to teach faithful people to teach other people also. So when you come here, you learn. Um, I know that you usually take notes. You come to Bible study. You ask questions. I've seen um, you know faces again and again and again. So you're dedicated to not only this building but to this pastor. Twelve years is a long time. How old are you now? Twelve. <laughs> Twelve years is a long <laughs> is a long time. How old are you now, Samoa? Seventeen? <sighs> Twelve years. So he has poured himself out. I tell you, I tell you what I know. It is not easy being a pastor. You think it's not easy being a people. It is definitely not easy being a pastor. Again, as we make our plans, as we go through life, as we do the things and set up our plans the way that we want, he has to not necessarily deal with everything that everybody's going through. However, he is a part of whatever he has to share with that you're willing to share with him about everything that you're going through. It is not easy. It's not easy at all. However, I do believe that here, the more you learn, the closer you get to God, the easier it is for you to be able to share with him and him to share with you. It can be more difficult but when you dig deep in the word and learn more about the word and know how to honor the pastor, realize that the pastor is not your covering, that Jesus Christ is your covering, but they sent him here to watch over your souls. And he still has to give, like the Bible says in Hebrews, he has to, he's responsible for watching out for your soul. That doesn't mean that you can do anything that you want. He's responsible for what he pours into your soul. When you go to heaven, you cannot get in line and say, see him. <laughs> I know what I did, but Pastor, all right, he went, he went back in. <laughs> no, he's responsible because he has to give an answer for what he pours into your soul. So he has to labor hard in the word to be able to break down that word, open up that word so that you can get the word and in this case, and from this particular scripture, to be able to take it out and teach other people how to teach other people. That's deep. 
the scripture is deep. Discipleship is deep, but discipleship is in the heart of Christ. And it's also in the heart of the pastor. That's why it's in your mission and your vision statement. Discipleship. And that's why I knew I would be glad to see you here because I know how deep you are into discipleship. Of course, you're not the only one, but you came to my mind. Discipleship is very important. And how you treat the man of God is very important. And how you treat each other is very important because we are not in this thing alone. God led you here for a purpose. I would say each seat have your name on it. However, we know that's not totally true because Seth usually sits over here. <laughs> you change your seat, you usually sit over there. Oh, you sit over here in the pantomime. <laughs> All right. Because you know you can go to a church, people fight you over the seat. In a heartbeat, even in the pandemic, even in the pandemic. But it is so important that you take heed. You have a teacher and a preacher in your pastor who happens to be an expositor. And I don't want to say happens to be an expositor because God made him an expositor before the foundation of time. In Baltimore City, I tell you what I know. There are not many expositors in this town at all. You can almost name them on one hand. So you have actually been blessed to have a man that can look in the word, break open the word, tell you what the word says, why it says it, the context is being used in, but then also willing to give it out and able to give it out in a way, that's why it's called expository, in expositional preaching, it means to expose. So you're exposing God's word. We believe that, and I say we because I'm exposed to myself, but we believe that there's only one interpretation of the Bible, and that's God's interpretation. It's not important what I have to say. I don't need to make you shout. I don't need to make you run around the building. I just want you to hear what God is trying to say. Let that reach your heart through your spirit, and then apply it. That's the key. And that's where he is. Again, I have been knowing him for years and years. I have been through, <laughs> through some stuff. Um, you know, he didn't just read the Greek. I've gone to DC with him. Even the school, he loaded me up with these books. <laughs> We've talked. One of the main things and times we ever had in our life, though, I talked to him. We talked about what he was going to do with the church and what God had laid on his heart and in his spirit. And he was wondering when he was going to make a move. And I asked the question, did God tell you to start a church? His response to me was, yes. I said, you sure? He said, yes. I say, are you really sure? He said, no question. Little time after that, we talked and he said, I got a building. I said, for what? <laughs> he said, the church. <laughs> the church. 
okay what church he told me that he has started the church he told me the name he told me the plans and now here we are 12 years later and 12 years is a long time I know I remember uh, Richard Pryor it was either Richard Pryor or Eddie Murphy said he know that living with him was no day at the beach it's no picnic. So we know that some of the things that we go through is not good to try to put on anybody else. So for somebody who was as young as he was at the time, and to be able to withstand and stand and come up to 12 years is really, really a true testament to his love for God. Matter of fact, you should give him a hand clap for that. You know, I'm not one of them ones. I'm not going to say, oh, come on, you can do better than that. <laughs> because you know you can do better than that. However, I believe in your spirit you are doing better than that. So you don't have to prove it because I know it's there. And then you have the people. You're here. You're here through a pandemic. You're here through all of the things that may have happened before you even got to a pandemic. Now we're in this particular time. And you're here. Isn't that right, Malcolm? You're here. You're here with families. You're here with your church family. You're here with your poly jokes. <laughs> but you're here. And you're here not just for him, but because he preaches and teaches the word of God. And in a way that it can and apply to your life so that you can use it to help you grow. And not only that, take it with you to teach others also. Amen. This is the pattern of a discipleship church. Paul set the pattern. You're following the pattern here under your pastor. Take that same pattern and apply it to other people who will be able to teach other people also. Amen. Amen. The main idea of the passage, remaining strong while keeping the plan. Paul told Timothy to remain strong. You says you will endure hardness as a soldier, you going through something, you will go through something. In some cases, the pandemic may seem like a light affliction compared to some of the other things that you have gone through and will go through in your lives. But remain strong, keep the faith. Remember the propellant is the grace in Jesus Christ. You have the pastor, the people, the propellant, and now you have the plan. Run away with it. God bless you all. I guess you want me to give an invitation. All y'all saved.